This episode of Shaun of the South is brought to you by Case Knives, one of America's foremost manufacturers of premium knives. Case Knives have been treasured items that have been passed down to my family for generations. So put down the phone, shut off the TV, and go out and get your hands dirty and build something. Keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife. Hey, you are listening to Shaun of the South, and I'm your host this evening, Sean Dietrich. Man, we've got a great show lined up ahead of you here. A great show coming to you live via the podcast airwaves and the radio waves all over this fine nation. This guy behind me here, fix to play music for you tonight, is Jay Maloney, everybody. Jay Maloney. She's 
Brought to you by Visit North Alabama, the Mountain Lakes Tourist Association. Travel to visit the 16 North Alabama counties that make this state what it is. Festivals, attractions, and restaurants all over Alabama. Bunt County, Cherokee County, Colbert County, Coleman County, DeKalb County, Edward County, Franklin County, Jackson County, Lauderdale County, Lawrence County, Limestone County, Madison County, Marion County, Marshall County, Morgan County, Winston County. <sighs> or visit the Horton Mill Bridge just off Alabama 75, about five miles north. Built in 1935, all the work was done strictly by hand tools. Think about that for a second. Or how about the North Alabama Barbecue Trail trek across North Alabama on a holy, sacred pilgrimage of saturated fat and slow-smoked pork. Other states do their barbecue differently than they do in Alabama, and that's not to say that they don't do it right. But that is absolutely to say that they do it dead wrong. Make plans today to visit North Alabama because whatever you want to do, you can do it better in North Alabama. Look them up at visitnorthalabama or northalabama.org or hashtag visitnorthal. Now let's have another tune here from Jay Maloney, everybody. Jay Maloney. 
Mail sending to us from listeners all over this fine nation. Had nothing better to do than to put pen to paper and tap out an email or send us a, a text message with their thumbs or tell us how they're doing or send us a letter uh, with legal representation in a manila envelope asking us to cease and desist under threat of jail time or God knows what else. Our first letter comes from us from Dean Warrens, Austin, Texas. Sean, I just stumbled on your show and I really dug it. Thanks for the music. It's part of my drive to work. We took a beach vacation this year and we all listened to you in the car. My kids got completely sick of your voice. 
But what do they know? They still occasionally have accidents in the past. <laughs> Don't take it too personally. Thanks again. And if you ever come to Austin one day, I hope to meet you. Dear Dean, thank you, friend. Thank you, friend, and I can't judge anybody too harshly because I, too, still have accidents in my pants. Also, I hear that Austin's really beautiful. I hear that when, when people in Austin die, they, they die and go to Willie's house. Lori Michaels, Washington, D.C. I'm a Braves baseball fan, and I've been following them since I was a child. I'm 67 now. I'm so excited to be in the playoffs this year. Our team, our team did it. It's got me feeling like a child again. I know you're a Braves fan because I read your stuff and you write about them a lot. Just wanted to say, here's from a kindred spirit. It's exciting. Here's to playing our best in the postseason from Lori. Well, dear Lori, chop, 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 chop. Go Braves. Adam Wilder, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Had a funny thing happen to me yesterday. I was on my way home from the store and my daughter, my daughter was in the seat beside me and we had this cat run in front of our car. Well, after it ran past our car, there were other things running after it, by which I mean kittens. We drove on for a few miles. My daughter and I didn't say anything and I knew she was thinking about it and I knew she was wondering why I didn't stop and I started to feel like a terrible person. So I told her those cats probably belong to somebody just to make myself feel better. And she said, I know they really don't. It's okay. So we stopped and I found them through the woods, found them and I took them to an animal shelter and she got two of her friends to adopt the kittens and take them all home. And my wife and I took the mama kitten home and we have named her Peanut. So sometimes we have parties in my backyard where everybody brings a cat and also a covered dish. And all our kids and their cats get together in the backyard and play around and it's pretty cool to see. Anyway, thanks for the shows, Adam. Well, dear Adam, we have an expression here in the South. I don't know if they have it up there in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but we say an expression for get-togethers involving children, which I think will be appropriate for this letter. And that is getting together with children is like herding cats. Think about it. Think about it. Francis Coopers, Huntsville, Alabama. John, we saw your show when you came through Decatur at the Princess Theater, and the band was great, and so was everything else. My son was entranced with the music, and so we bought him a guitar. Since then, he has been practicing, and he's getting better. Just wanted to say thanks for the music and for playing the kind of music that our grandparents probably listened to. I enjoy the feeling of going back in time for a few minutes on Saturday. It's, it's nice. My son is god-awful at the guitar, but he is going to be great one day. So pray for me. I imagine this will take several years. <laughs> well, I guess everybody here is holding you in our thoughts and well wishes and prayers. Olivia DeMarco, Siler City, North Carolina. I don't know what it's about, 
being in love that changes you, but it does. It changes you wholeheartedly. I was alone for a long time, try 16 years after my husband left me and I, I never thought anything would happen good to me. That's what loneliness does. I got older and my chances of having kids completely disappeared and that was it. I was turning into an old maid and even though I wasn't depressed necessarily, there was a feeling of disappointment that I carried with me pretty much every day. And I guess you just learn to deal with it. But one day you realize that your dreams are completely gone. Not fading, not disappearing, but gone. Already gone. And you have no chance of having the things you thought you would have when you were little. But what I didn't expect was that there is a kind of freedom in this. When you totally give up and you fail, and giving up must be the trick because when you do that, I figured out that I had the rest of my life ahead of me. After 16 years of trying, I gave up, and that's when I met Olin. Olin is who I've been with for a year, and we just got married a year ago, and we're approaching our first anniversary, and I'm so lucky that it's like starting life over again, only as an older, wiser child. And I don't have a lick of sadness this time, and no self-doubt. None of those childish games that younger couples play have ever entered into our agreement or our love. It's finally, and I never thought I'd be able to say this, it's finally my turn in life. Well, dear Olivia, thank you for that letter. It is your turn, darling. It is your turn. Fred Geigerton, Guy Gregerton. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hi, Sean. I'm sending this as a shout out to my niece, Wyra, who is graduating from college after the summer semester. She's been working so hard and has really put effort into it. Her, her parents went through some hard times, so my wife and I sort of helped raise her. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you that her and her brother lived with us, and we had a hand in raising her and this is awesome because I get to feel proud of her the same way I feel proud for my own son so that when she walks down that aisle to get her degree it's going to be with lots of people in my family who are there who love her and are there to support her and we'll be in the audience we will be the ones who scream and cheer like complete fools that's what I like most about our family we scream and we cheer when the time is appropriate. Congratulations, Wyra. Congratulations. Jeff Braden, Atlanta, Georgia. My wife just got me a new cell phone, and it has no smartphone capabilities whatsoever. And I can tell you, without a doubt, it has changed my life. I had no idea how much time I spent on the phone scrolling this and that. It became a real thing for me. I guess it took up to three hours, about three hours of each day up out of my life. Three hours each day. Just mindlessly scrolling. And now I feel like I have a whole half day to myself. Where did all this time come from? Sean, it's great. It's great. 
When I go to do stuff, I am totally focused on the stuff I'm doing. I'm more alone feeling too. Not alone in a bad way, but private feeling. Because before, I would carry this huge social media network wherever I went in my pocket. But now, I got nothing. I don't have a buzzing in my pocket to tell me when, when a football score changes. I don't have anybody texting on me. Uh, it's not like it's a huge change in life, changing your phone, like I thought it would be. It was actually a simple change, a simple, easy change because it felt good the whole way through. Wasn't at all like people said it was going to be like quitting sugar or giving up caffeine or, or saturated fat. This was actually pleasant the whole way through. So I just wanted to keep doing it. I make phone calls on the simple phone, and that's about it. I can text, but it takes so much effort that I can only do it minimally. It's the greatest thing to ever happen to me. I'm just suggesting to you or anyone else who has a phone that rules their life to take a break. It will take you into a better frame of mind, I promise. It worked for me. Thank you for the podcast. Uh, I do have to admit, to listen to your shows, I have to get out my old phone, my smartphone, and reboot it because the new one will not play shows. And every time I bring it out, it's like saying hello to an old friend in some ways. I miss my phone. I should have said that in my, in my message earlier. How weird is that? How can a phone be such a piece of our life that we miss it? You know, I'm actually writing this letter to you on my old smartphone. And at this spot in my message, I'm realizing it's so nice to be able to write on a smartphone and I have forgotten how pleasurable it is. This is great. I can listen to music, write a message, and send a text message and browse the internet at the same time. And oh my, what's this? It has Bluetooth capability too. Why did I ever get rid of my smartphone? Why in the hell did I ever get rid of my smartphone? Forget this old school stupid piece of junk phone my wife got me. I'm going to start using my smartphone again. Who cares what I said earlier? I'm using this thing every day for the rest of my life. Disregard this message because this fancy schmancy smartphone kicks butt. It rocks. They are the best. Your friend, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, it's true. It's true, I, I'm with you. Smartphones start to take over without us knowing it. And there ain't nothing we can do. We're powerless and they grasp. And I guess the real important thing here to realize is that quitting the smartphone is always very, very easy. In fact, I've done it hundreds of times. So keep trying, if that's your thing, keep trying and maybe one day it'll stick. And that's letters from our listeners. Letters from our listeners. Uh, one more tune here from Jay Maloney, everybody. Jay Maloney. You like me. You don't like part of me. You like the whole thing. You don't like some. You're special and I'm special to you We don't like some 
or to be untrue. Well, you caught me throwing nickels at the downtown five and dime. From Washington to Galilee, I'm still making up my mind. You told me that your daddy was a big shot at the time. like me you don't like part of me you like the whole me you don't like some you're special to me and i'm special to you we don't like some or to be got our first relief from the horrid, horrid pain of heat that we've been experiencing for this past summer. It's been so, so unbearably hot this past summer. The many of the old timers in my town don't even seem to, to remember a summer that compares with this past summer. It's been so hot that Mr. Arnold's milk cow started giving powdered milk. 
Yes, it's been brutal. You walk outside and you can just feel it on your skin. You can feel your skin changing color. It was so hot two weeks ago, the temperatures reached the highest that they had ever reached in this area. It was, it was a world record. The Jehovah's Witnesses in our area decided to, to take up telemarketing instead. <laughs> and that is, that is West Florida and South Alabama. My wife and I have been doing a lot of traveling throughout this heat, doing doing this show and, and, and I give talks to, to various places and people who are, have you know, terrible taste to have me to come speak to them. Sometimes we do, we do you know, church functions in a, in a small fellowship hall or I'll speak in gymnasiums like the kind that I grew up in. Uh, that big room that many of you remember from our childhood that was wood on the bottom and, and cinder block on the sides with a big, long, 50-foot rope dangling in the center for children to practice rope climbing. Never understood how this skill is going to come in handy later on in life. I've never understood either how that little two-inch thick wrestling mat is going to protect a child from a traumatic brain injury. If he gets all the way up to the top and lets go, it's done. Normally, when you go up to the top and you got to get down, the way you do it is you squeeze your thighs together real tight, and then you just let yourself slide down until smoke starts to build from between your legs. And it's for this reason that I will never have children. <laughs> My wife and I, we, we do this full time. We, we'd never expected to do this, but we, we travel all over all over for the past six months. We've visited nearly 20 states past year, almost 30. It's, it's nothing I ever thought I would do with my life, and yet here I am doing it. The, the universe has an incredible sense of humor, and I find that I'm the butt of the joke oftentimes. I never thought I'd be writing, never thought I'd be speaking. I remember my first writing gig ever, a little tiny local magazine. It was in the summer, a lot like this. At the time, I had been trying to be an electrician. I wanted to be an electrician. I, I did a little stint as an electrician's assistant. And I'd follow this guy around all day, and we'd pull wire, and we'd do this and that. And One day, I decided, you know, I'm going to be an electrician myself. I mean, these guys make decent money, and, and it's, it's, it's rewarding work. You know, it's fun wiring these places up. But, but that one day that it all changed for me was when we were wiring up a condominium. And my buddy had forgotten to wear his high-voltage hand protection when he was wiring up the main panel, and he got shocked so hard it took him back 10 feet, knocked him off his feet. 10 feet, he fell, and then he peed his pants and forgot his name for a solid hour. <laughs> and I looked at him lying there in his puddle, and I decided I would take up a career in writing. <laughs> right then and right there, and so I did. I, I went and applied to this little tiny magazine, and this woman, she read some of my writing samples. It was a little, little magazine covered a regional beat. She looked at them, she read them, she said, okay, okay, yeah, I'll sign you for 200 bucks. And I said, 200 bucks? And she said, yes, I accept cash or major credit cards, pay my secretary on the way out. <laughs> well, you do what you do. And then fast forward a little ways in my life, and here I am speaking to you and, and writing for a living. I have no idea what I'm doing with my life, but we travel so much that my wife and I frequently get tired. And this summer, it's been, 
it's been a brutal schedule for us. So we decided to take a vacation up to central Alabama to a little bed and breakfast she'd heard about from some friends. And this bed and breakfast uh, was pretty remote, way out in the sticks, way out in the sticks above Montgomery. And we were driving, and I was enjoying the weather, the sunlight had gotten a little bit dimmer because that happens in September, uh, right after you know, the height of summer is gone. And I was, I was drinking a Yoo-Hoo, a Yoo-Hoo, the chocolate drink of the gods, which comes in a little glass bottle, and the label has not changed over the past 100 years, a Yoo-Hoo in my hand, letting that sunlight shine through the windshield onto my thighs, and I was taking sips, and my wife and I were playing games. We were playing, you know, count the livestock on the side of the road. Every time you drive past a church cemetery, you have to reset, start counting livestock again. You're, you're the person on the passenger side, their score goes to zero. And so sometimes my wife would cheat when she'd see a little country church up nearby. She'd turn and pass it <laughs> on my side, and then I'd, I'd end up losing the game. We got to this bed and breakfast, beautiful little place, little white clapboard house, tin roof that looked older than I was. And my wife and I, when we travel, we carry every cursed thing that we own with us. My wife and I, cannot go across the street without packing up everything that we have ever bought in our life. She carries four suitcases with her. Four. <laughs> one is for her clothes. One is for her cosmetics. One is for her dress clothes, just in case we do anything that requires dress clothing. And then one is for her sleep paraphernalia. Now, Sleep paraphernalia is, is an interesting item that I would have never thought we would have as a married couple, but it is something that my wife takes very seriously, this bag of sleep paraphernalia. She can't get to sleep without this, this bag of sleep paraphernalia. So we got to that little clapboard house. had this little porch, wraparound porch that was huge, and there were a few children roller skating on it because, as I understand, the only place in town was, was this little porch to roller skate on. It was wide. It was wrapped around and uninterrupted, and they said the sidewalks were nothing to speak of, and every, everywhere else was dirt road, so they roller skated on the porch. Sounded like thunder out there. Children roller skating like we used to in the old days, and I rolled these bags up the sidewalk and up the steps, one after another, after another, after another, and the woman running the bed and breakfast was a 14-year-old girl. She said it's her mother's bed and breakfast, but her mother was out of town and she'd left her responsible for it. My wife and I kind of looked at each other and thought, she looked awful young to be, you know, a hostess, but, but oh well. She looked at my yoo-hoo, drank in my hand, and she said, is that yoo-hoo? I said, yes it is. She said, I love yoo-hoo. And she was chewing bubble gum, and that's when she, she blew a bubble that defied gravity. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and then it finally popped and it splattered all over her face and then she sucked it up and she started chewing again. She said, your room's up this way. And she walked up the steps and we followed her. I was towing eight suitcases behind me like a pack mule. Got to the second level bedroom. Oh, it was, it was nice, really nice. Wood floors. 
decorated to beat the bind floral print a comforter and floral print wallpaper and old ceiling fixtures that date back to the uh, William Taft administration. Old, old room. I love old things. Old nightstands. There was a basket of fruit on the nightstand and there was a bottle of chocolate liqueur. Interesting, interesting. I guess that's, that leads to some, some fun for married couples. <laughs> we got there and we set up our place and my wife and I went out onto the porch and we watched the kids roller skate for a little while. And when they calmed down, we watched the sun set over a big old peanut field, scalped peanut field across, across the street from this house. And it reminded me of the days that I grew up playing with my cousin Ed Lee, doing things that boys do. Boys like us did, did things to pass the time that probably children inside big cities don't do. I mean, in cities, they, they go to organized sports like soccer teams and, and field hockey. I don't even know what field hockey is. Uh, the, we, we had a baseball league that was the Methodists and the Baptists. The Baptists were the GBSs, the George Beverly Shays. And the Methodist team was the Methodist Sprinklers. That was about it. The other ways that we entertained ourselves growing up were in scout peanut fields a lot like this. My cousin Ed Lee and I did what most boys did at our age. We played with something called a potato gun. A potato gun. A potato gun is a wonderful piece of equipment which is manufactured out of pieces of PVC and greased with WD-40 and loaded with large Idaho spuds and fired into the air so that these spuds can travel upwards of 50,000 miles. There are some potatoes which have been shot from potato guns which are still orbiting the earth at this very moment. Potatoes that my cousin Ed Lee and I shot probably back in the 1980s. I love a potato gun. I love a good potato gun. My cousin Ellie could build a potato gun better than anybody you ever saw, ever. He'd carry that thing wherever he went. Sometimes we'd go to church. My cousin Ellie and I would sneak out of church while the service was gone, and we would go to his, to his uncle's truck over in the distance, and we would get that potato gun that he had made, and it sucker was the size of a big old bazooka cannon and we'd carry it out to the church shed and shoot it toward the woods. Or we'd shoot it at the church shed, which was built out of bricks, and we'd watch that potato gloriously splat on the side of the shed into a thousand pieces. And occasionally, we would, we would shoot it over the church steeple to see who could get it over the steeple. <laughs> well, my cousin Ellie one day was shooting over the steeple and he lost aim ever so slightly, and the barrel of the potato gun went downward, pointing straight at one of the stained glass windows during the sermon, and he shot this thing with a loud boom, and the potato shot out the gun, and it was a blur of tan streak that just went straight through the air, and it hit a stained glass window, the stained glass window of Mary, Jesus, and, and Joseph. Jesus was in the manger, and the potato hit Joseph's face, <laughs> and it took the face of Joseph clean off, and it went straight out the other side of the church to a stained glass window of John the Baptist, and it took off John the Baptist's right hand 
which was extended upward, inviting all those wayward reprobate sinners to get baptized and believe. <laughs> and that was one of the last times we ever played with a potato gun. <laughs> you see at Peanut Field, you think about things like this. You think about the days that you used to do little, little things as a boy to entertain yourself because you didn't have cell phones like, like when we used to go and we would uh, think of nothing better to do then drink yoo-hoos and walk along the side of the road with nothing but a pocket full of M80s. M80s, for some people who don't know, are, are firecrackers which should not be legal because they're just one step below dynamite. And we, we gave a lot of trouble to mailboxes in my day. I went to sleep that night at the bed and breakfast. My wife and I had a, had a great restful sleep. I woke up early in the morning because I wanted to catch the sunrise over that peanut field. I wanted to get a cup of coffee and go catch that sunrise. Got up, went downstairs. I left the room where I'd been sleeping where my wife had all her sleep paraphernalia out and about on full display. Let me tell you what she sleeps with. My wife sleeps with a special blanket put underneath her body and a special blanket rolled on top of her body which is made out of, a, out of a microfiber designed by NASA to keep her warm. Space age microfiber blanket. Underneath her back she has a large foam pyramid shaped wedge to help prevent back pain and heartburn. She wears a a silk eye mask that goes over her face wrapped with a rubber band to prevent this mask from slipping up in the night and letting daylight in during the morning. We have two sound machines, one on each nightstand, and my wife wears a mouth guard which is the size of Rocky Balboa's boxing teeth guard. And these two side machines, they blare this white noise that sounds like you're inside the cockpit of a 747. <laughs> so I slipped out the room and I went downstairs to see if there was any coffee. And I went to the bun coffee maker and it was totally empty. And now we had a problem here. Now I am the kind of man who needs a cup of joe to get started in the morning. My brain cylinders do not fire if I don't have a little bit of caffeine. And I went to the, to the kitchen to see who was in there. And it was that 14-year-old girl, and she was playing on an iPad, and she was blowing bubble gum. And I said, is there any coffee? She said, no, no, we ran out of coffee. I'm not sure how it happened, but we out. But I put some hot water in there, and you can have some green tea. I said, green tea? I'd rather lick a mule between the ears. I said, how about a gas station or a, or a, you know, a, a grocery store or something like that? Where's the nearest one? She, she looked at me and she just shrugged. She said, mm, I don't know. You know, back that way, there's a, there's a gas station. I said, well, how far are we talking? She said, mm, if you go up to that barn where the red man chewing tobacco billboards painted on the side, that's Mr. Hemingway's, and you turn left over by Mr. Graver's, uh, it's probably about 20 miles. I said, 20 miles? 20 miles of rural road is like 7,000 miles interstate. 
But I had little choice because it would take about 17 million bags of green tea to equal one cup of joe. So I got in my truck and I rode along and I, I rode down that dirt road and I listened to, to the radio while I was driving. In small areas, they got this thing called the swapping shop. And, and this man was advertising on the swapping shop radio hour. People nearby who had things they wanted to sell. It's like an audio version of the classified section with, with complimentary commentary included. And I heard that man, the DJ in the radio say, yes sir, yes sir, uh, Sister Susan has a bike for sale, a bike for sale. Her, her son decided he didn't want to ride the bike no more and she bought him an electric scooter. She says she will trade the bike for a baseball glove or a box of Christmas ornaments or a Shetland pony. Oh, uh, let's see here, let's see here. Arnold Reading has, has a pair of 22s for sale, and these things are fine 22s. They're great for shooting squirrels, raccoons, and whatnot. You ought to go get yourself some of these 22s, or at least look at them, because Arnold really needs help paying the mortgage this month. You know, it's, it's part of being in a rural area. I drove and drove and drove. It was about 28 miles to the nearest gas station, a little place in the middle of nowhere surrounded by two houses, both houses, which had a freezer on the porch and sofas and men sitting on the sofas who were just chewing the fat and grating the day. I walked into this little, this little convenience store and there was a a very limited selection of stuff. There was a big aisle, though, that was bigger than all the other aisles for, for bait and fishing lures and fishing line and fishing accessories. And I got caught up looking at them. They had golden spoons and, and jig lures and they had, they had popping corks and they had number six hooks and, and tackle box sets. And none of these, these items had dust on them. You just got the idea that people actually come here to buy their fishing gear. I love it. And I asked the man behind the counter, I said, you got any coffee? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I got some coffee. I just made it, just made it. He said, it's right over there. I went to the coffee maker. And I poured me a cup, and I took a sip out of that styrofoam cup. He said, we also got uh, dried coffee over there, you know. I said, oh, good, good, good. I went to the aisle. I didn't see none. I said, I don't see it. He said, oh, maybe, maybe it's out. Maybe we're out of it. He said, we usually got folders right over there. I said, oh, I, don't, I, I think you're out. I don't see it. He said, oh, well, do you want some dried coffee? I said, well, as a matter of fact, yes, I would like some dried coffee. He said, oh, no problem, no problem. And so I, I, I waited there, and he went into the back. And when he came back out from the back room, he had a Winn-Dixie bag, and it was loaded with five Ziploc freezer bags full of dried coffee. He handed it to me, he said, oh, this is our coffee. This is what we use for the coffee makers out here. He said, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's all I got, but, but you're welcome to it. I said, well, thank you, you know, thank you. My God, thank you so much. I, I will appreciate this. I'll take this back to the bed and breakfast. He said, oh, you're staying at the bed and breakfast, huh? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm staying, staying there. He said, oh, that's great. Well, it's a, it's, it's a nice place. I said, yeah, it really is. I said, How much do I owe you for the coffee? 
Oh, you don't owe me for that. You don't owe me for that. That's just, that's just something we got in back. I don't, don't worry about it. I said, okay, well, how, how about this cup of coffee? He said, oh, no, no, no. You know, I drink coffee all day long. No, how? It don't matter. You don't owe me nothing. Just have a nice day. I was so touched by this, this real kindness. It, it just meant so much to me. And I started to turn. I started to walk out the door. And before I got to the end of the door, I, I, I reached my hand on the door and I pulled in that little bell dinged. And he looked at me and I, he, he said, hey, hey, excuse me, sir, aren't you forgetting something? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, my sister, she works at the bed and breakfast. She told me you really like you who? I said, I guess nothing goes far in a small town. He said, oh, you have no idea. We don't overlook anything, not even bad haircuts or terrible deviled eggs. <laughs> I said, I do like you who? I really do. He said, well, she likes it too. She likes it a lot. Here, I'm going to give you a whole six pack of stuff that we got in the back. You who's. I just got them over ice. Will you take one and, and, and give one to her too? I said, absolutely, I will. So I took that six-pack of Yoo-Hoo's, and I got in my truck, and I drove past the scalped peanut fields, and I drove past the, the corn stalks and the tall, straight-shafted pines. I rolled down the window, and I let my arm dangle out it, and I, I made a little airplane with my left hand and let it just zigzag out the window and felt the breeze underneath my arm. Who would ever thought, who would ever thought it would matters so much to have a yoo-hoo in your hand. I sipped that yoo-hoo along with my coffee. And when I got out the truck, there was that girl sitting on the porch. She was waiting for me. She said, I heard you got something for me. I said, yes, yes I do. And I handed her a yoo-hoo. And my wife opened up the window. She leaned out the front. She still had her eye mask and her mouth guard on. And she said, hey, they're out of coffee. I looked up at her, and I looked down at that 14-year-old girl. I said, that's my wife, and she's all mine. Ain't she something? Hey, thanks very much for having me here this evening. It's been a wonderful pleasure. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I've been your host today, Sean Dietrich, and man, it's been a bona fide pleasure, if I do say so myself. This episode was brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition of my family dating back to my granddaddy who once said the best way to cure idle hands was to build something. So keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife. And by Folklore Brewing and Meadery, quite literally the best brew in Alabama. Visit FolkloreBrewingAndMeadery.com. The music you heard behind me today was Jay Maloney. Jay Maloney is a unique musical talent with expertise and experience on several instruments across several genres. Jay brings a creative and prodigious energy to everything he does. Do yourself a favor and visit jmaloneymusic.com. M-A-L-O-N-E-Y. Jay Maloney Music. Download his new stuff today. You will not regret it, I guarantee you. To find anything more about what I do, you can visit shawnofthesouthshow.com and there you can find archived episodes dating back to the very first episode we ever did all the way to this episode. Though I don't know why you'd listen to me, you must have terrible taste in podcasts. But while you're there, I hope you take the time to drop me a line to me about your birthday announcements, wedding invitations, and potluck socials, and I'll do my best to read them over there for my friends because I love to do that sort of stuff for my friends. And speaking of friends, friends... If you ever have to blow your nose, don't ever use someone else's hanky. Adios.